Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is another exciting episode of Steady Focused. I am your host. I am your number one, Mr. Simeon Hendricks. And guys, we are going to keep our pedal on the gas and we're going to jump straight into another value-packed interview. This week, we're on the line with Mr. John Gress, a dynamic photographer and director of photography based out of Chicago. His body of work is the stuff of dreams. Clients from NFL to Best Buy to Hyundai, Lexus, Mattel, Sam Adams. He's appeared in major publications such as Time, New York Times, The Washington Post, Sports Illustrated. His assignments included the 2010 Stanley Cup, 2008 presidential election of President Barack Obama, and the 2006 Super Bowl. Guys, literally, I could spend this entire episode introducing John, but let's just jump straight into it. So guys, please help me give a big, steady, focused welcome to my friend, Mr. John Gress. What's up, John? Not much. Thanks for having me on the show. If you kept going on any longer, I'd probably be too embarrassed to talk. <laughs> Man, it's it's exciting to have you on. Um, I've been so impressed, not only with the quality of your work, but you know the body of your work and your hustle, and the way that you return love to people who are following you on Instagram. You know, please. For people who might not know, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your history. Uh, uh, well, do you want me to start from the beginning of when I started taking pictures? or? Sure, man. I mean, kind of start wherever you want. Start with, uh, you know, maybe even where you grew up or take it wherever you want. Dude. Okay. I, um, I grew up near Portland, Oregon, and when I was about 14 or so, I borrowed my mom's camera and took it to summer camp. and. I just sort of realized through taking pictures that it, it really fit for me. And I'm sure like a lot of little boys, I wanted to be an astronaut or a, a military officer, or maybe not like a lot, but I wanted to be a, an attorney. Um, and, uh, but then I started doing that and I, I realized that it was a good place for me. And then I started freelancing for weekly uh, local newspapers, shooting high school sports. And I became the editor of the school newspaper and the uh, yearbook. Maybe I was the photo editor of the yearbook. But in any event, um, then I uh, started um, freelancing for the Associated Press when I was 18, when my photography teacher introduced me to two of the photographers there. And they became mentors for me. And I worked for them while I went to college. And um, then when I got done with college, I went to go work at a newspaper in Topeka, Kansas. And I worked there for about a year. But I really didn't like uh, living there or the supervisor I had, so I decided I'd go back to freelancing. And, um, and I was working for the Associated Press about 85% of the time, and then I had other clients like the New York Times and USA Today or People Magazine. And uh, one of the mentors that I had when I first started shooting things for AP, he retired. And I interviewed for his job. It seemed like I was probably going to get the job. And then they decided that they would transfer somebody there from DC. And so I had to find something else to do because there just wasn't 
I couldn't make it with the 15% of the business that I had left. And so another uh, older photographer I knew, he happened to know the guy that was in charge of Reuters for all of North America, and he put me in touch with him. And when I talked to him, he asked me to move to Chicago. And so I came here in 2003, and I started uh, freelancing for them. And it started off at about 15 days a month and ended up around uh, 20 plus days a month. And that's where I ended up shooting the Super Bowl, like you mentioned, and um, the camp Obama's campaign and a lot of other events. And when the recession hit, they sort of stopped spending money and as did everybody else. And then in 2010, when <laughs> things started to get better, um, different clients started hiring me. And I think that was the first year that only half of my income came from editorial. And it's wow. sort of gone down from there, but I've, I've made the same every year. And so while I've pretty much stopped shooting things for, um, for uh, like news outlets and so forth. Yeah, news outlets, right. Yeah, then I have uh, a bunch of other clients and they might be video clients and they might be portrait clients, corporate clients, or clients like the NBA or, um, or what have you. So it's just, uh, it's just been a, a ebb and flow. And, and that's sort of how I've got to where I am today. That's awesome, man. I, I found you through Instagram and I have just been blown away by these NFL rookie photos that you've been taking and i believe correct me if i'm wrong john but uh these are for some trading cards that are coming out is that right yeah so i guess the funny thing about that that i forgot is that when i was um when i was a teenager um i would collect these sports cards trading cards and my friend got me to um go and try to get in autographs from nba players as they were leaving the game and so i did that for a while but then after I went to summer camp and I had my mom's camera, I thought, well, maybe I should take pictures of them instead of getting their autographs. Ah. And, and then I could like get prints made and I'd have them sign them and everything would be great. Right. That was my thought process yeah, yeah. about that. And uh, so over time, like as I got more into photography, I didn't do that at all anymore and didn't collect cards. Well, I still have the cards. They're in a box somewhere. Uh, in a closet, but you know, I haven't touched them in a long time. But it's sort of funny that 20 plus years later, I got asked to shoot uh, portraits of the NBA and uh, NFL rookies for their trading cards. So it sort of came full circle. And yeah, and so when you tap into young John, you know, adolescent John, how does it feel when you're in the room with these NBA players and these NFL? players well I think young John would be really impressed but <laughs> but but now uh, almost 40 something John is yeah. sort of like uh, perhaps I'm perhaps I'm steady focused in that yeah. you know I don't really um, I, I hate to say it but like I'm not really that impressed with meeting people who uh-huh. This will sound weird. I'll try to figure yeah, out a good way to put it. Yeah. No, like I don't, I, I've never been, I haven't as an adult been that sort of like into uh, um, hero worshiping or being impressed mm -hmm. by the fact that I met somebody who was famous or that sort of thing. 
So for me, like when these photo shoots happen, I don't know who most of the players are even going into it because I don't watch sports anymore. And I might um, look up and find out who like the top five draft picks are. So I know that I should probably spend a little more time uh, on them. But beyond that, like I don't I don't really have a clue of who they are. And it and uh, and so I'm not um, I'm not giddy like the young John yeah. would have been. But, you know, like you're saying, you, you're steady focused. So really, that could be a blessing, you know, because if, if uh, Starstruck is happening, that would take, take you off your game potentially. Um, so when you're, what is your setup like for one of these shoots? Um, you know, yeah, or, you know, what, what uh, camera and lens and is it a big light setup? Yeah, Starstruck was the word I was uh, missing there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've started to do this thing. Well, the first time I did it, I did six different lights. So two lights on the background, um, one light over each of their shoulders, a main light on one side and a fill light on the other side. And then I ended up watching a YouTube video at random when I was uh, researching the 1DX Mark II when it came out. And it just was the next video that came up. And this photographer had used a pocket wizard in speed cycler mode so that um, his first picture he took would fire channel one. That's No, it would fire like 17A. And the second picture he took would fire 17B. And, and wow. what it would allow you to do is put two lighting setups on the same set and take two pictures in a row from each from the different setup. Mm -hmm. So, so I put my six lights on A, and then I set up um, uh, three. I think it was three lights. Yeah, it was three lights. I'm struggling because I know that yeah, I had ten yeah. lights one day, and I can't remember where the fourth light was from. So okay. I think I had. Oh, I know why. I put three lights across the back. So okay. one pointed at the at the top of their head from behind the backdrop and then one at each of the top corners of the backdrop to light the sides of their head, and then one light in the front to light their face. So that was wow. my second setup. So, so I was able to go bang, bang, and get two different looks um, uh -huh. for the same pose. And so and that's- John, just so I can clarify, just to make sure I understand, and anybody who's listening, we're all on the same page. So w what I'm hearing is, um, at the at the height of your lights, you have ten lights, which you can set to basically two different um, scenes, and you take one photo and it it shoots whatever lights you have assigned for the first photo, and then you click something and you take a picture and it's going to give a different light um, setup for your second shot is that am i understanding okay that? so i left something out so okay what the speed cycler mode means on the transmitter is it will automatically alternate back and forth oh wow so i didn't even have to think or touch anything i just had to go bang bang have them move uh -huh. bang bang and keep going so wow it yeah so it and the faster the motor drive the faster those shots are together Oh so, my gosh, okay. So it's I've almost, never heard that. That's well, awesome. I didn't either until I saw this uh, video and I was like, oh, wait a minute, I could do that. Because wow. I've heard of people using the speed cycler to shoot action where they'll shoot a, a basketball game 
and they'll use two different sets of lights and then they get two pictures back to back. So, so they get the moment that way, or they're more likely to get the moment that way. But I never thought about it in a portrait context. And these photo shoots that I do with the athletes, um, they're, they're on the order of about 10 minutes each. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of things that I have to shoot um, for the cards in those 10 minutes. And this just gave me an opportunity to get twice as much out of that time, if you will. How is it dealing with the, the management of the NFL and the NBA or the, the people who give you your orders? Well, I'm just working with the card company. So it's, ah, it's okay. fairly easy. And I'm working with yeah. the art director and... Uh, it's really that I'm just waiting for the person to come onto set and then and then execute the the poses that I have to get. What's the hardest thing, or has been maybe one of your biggest struggles, having a career as a freelance? Um, you know, I think I think over time, I've learned not to to sweat things. So, you know you will inevitably have a great client that you love working with and then something will happen and then you don't have that client anymore. It could okay. be like I was working for AP all the time and they transferred somebody or it could be like the person you're working with at that place, they get fired or they move on to a different place or all of a sudden they don't have the budget anymore or mm -hmm. maybe they've restructured it so that the person that was hiring you for these projects is now not hiring anybody for those projects and somebody else yeah. is and they know somebody they like so then so then you don't get those jobs and so it's just sort of like recognizing that these things are going to happen but you're going to be okay because other things are going to happen too like that person who may leave company A and go to company B, you might get both company A and B in the end, or you may just get company B. Or, um, you know, I had one client um, for almost 10 years, and they were hiring me for like five to 20,000 a year, and it was great, and I, I made it through two or three different contacts at that company, and then, um, one of those contacts I had, she went on to a new place and I got that client. And then someone from there went on to a new place and I got that client. And now that original client, they're sort of like fading away because they changed how they buy photography. So, yeah. you know, it's just sort of learning that, you know, sometimes things seem bad, but they're really gonna be okay. Is this, um... I guess, you know, this viewpoint, this calm, this peace, is that something that you've developed over the years or is, or is that kind of your default mode? I feel like I've developed it over time. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember some times where I was really anxious about a client that was a fairly large amount of my income that was going away and, and or I perceived they were going to be going away. And, and... And, you know, but part of it is that I don't have any clients anymore that are more than 10% of my income. So okay. for me, it's not really a big deal anymore. So I guess it's maybe two, twofold, right? Like yeah, I learned yeah. not to worry about it. 
And now I don't really have to worry about it. So maybe I cheated. Yeah. Well, you've been putting in the work and how important is that to success? You know, how, how important is putting in the work to being successful? You know, when I was somewhere around 2008 or 2007, I had a friend who wanted to be a fashion photographer. So he asked me to teach him lighting. And at the time, I was only shooting executives for like trade magazines and stuff. Okay. And I don't really think I was that good at it, but I thought I was. And, uh, but I started working with him and he wanted to shoot models. So that's what we did. And I realized that I liked it. And he realized that he didn't have any patience for what he deemed technical stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I actually kept um, shooting models or people that wanted to be models just for free, for kicks, um, for about two years. And it really helped me uh, go from where I was to, to where I ended up now. And if I didn't spend um, that time, and it was upwards of like two photo shoots a week, um, which... I mean, that was probably like two, two total days with retouching and everything. Wow. Three days a week with retouching that I was spending doing stuff for, well, basic. I mean, I was getting model releases and I uh -huh. did send it out for stock, but I really didn't make that much money or any money, so to speak, okay. off of it. It was more about just like getting the experience. And it, and it really allowed me to develop my lighting technique or at least be able to like look at a picture on Instagram and uh, have a much better idea of how to recreate it. Ah, uh, and uh, wow. And I still do that. I still like do these photo shoots with models today for free, but I just will see somebody that I like their look on Instagram and I'll do a photo shoot with them either to um, practice a technique that I've, a trend that I've seen that I think that I might want to employ mm, or okay. I might have a new piece of equipment that I want to try out and um, you know before I roll it out on something where I get paid or it's a high stress situation I want to like okay. really know that it's going to work for that so so I'll do these tests uh -huh. and and not only does it give me content it also gives me um, portfolio pictures and yes. you know there was a time where I would have clients that I would have clients that might pay me like, let's say $600 to do a photo shoot for a magazine. And then I would have a newspaper that might pay me $250 to shoot a portrait of somebody. Mm -hmm. And I had two different approaches. I had the okay. $250 approach and the $600 approach. Uh -huh. And what I learned over time was I was just cheating myself. And I thought like, oh, I'll just use this simple setup uh, and and cut down my time that I'm putting into the shoot if I'm getting paid less yeah. um, compared to going all out for the other shoot. And what I realized was that I was just, I was not developing the portfolio mm -hmm. that I needed to keep going. And if I had, if I had just gone all in on everything, then I would uh -huh. get more out of it. So that's, that's still what I'm doing today. Like if I have a, oh somebody hires me to do a headshot shoot like i don't i don't scale back on that versus an ad yeah. shoot i mean i do in some regard but not exactly yeah. yeah yeah and i totally get it you know working as myself like we were talking earlier um 
I work at advertising agency and uh, you know there's different pricing for projects and there's a it's a fast world right you're like okay let's go we got to get this going like I'm sure the newspaper is and the other editorial stuff that you've done um, and absolutely I have been there that I'm like okay I got to get this done quick this in my mind I'm putting it in a category of doesn't mean as much and so hearing you say that I'm looking myself straight in the mirror that yeah I also have a bucket A and bucket B you know like throw bucket B away I don't want to show anyone I did bucket B almost you know <laughs> yeah wow. I know what you mean yeah so on on your um, climb to where you are now have has there been a lot of projects that you shot that you know oh I don't want anybody to know you know has that been before how, how long was that going before you had this realization of you know I'm just gonna do me um I, I probably took that approach for a, a couple of years where I, like I know that I just experimented like let me try using speed lights for instance for a while instead of using like full-size lights that was some of the things I was doing or I was saying like, oh, let me try, um, let me try to use some small continuous lights instead mm -hmm. of flash, and and so, um, and, and there's not a lot of pictures from that era that I would put in my portfolio, and okay. and that's that's where it really cost me. Um, but you know, I think like everybody, like all of us, go out there and shoot something and it just doesn't work out sometimes you know yeah. thankfully like it doesn't happen often anymore but i mean yeah. it does happen um okay you know like you just get asked to shoot a portrait of somebody and you don't have a lot of time and and there's nothing special about it like you do a, a workman-like job but it's not like oh, i gotta put this on instagram uh-huh but and john how do you how do you protect yourself like you say we don't have the time um, how do you protect yourself that, no, guys, I need X amount of time to get this done, you know, and, and still protect your work, um, for the majority of the cases, how is, how do you do that? Sometimes I'll try to like, um, I'll, I'll mention to the person or their, you know, assistant that I'm going to be shooting, like how long I think it'll take, you know, what they have scheduled, sort of like make it known that it's not a five minute thing. Um, but sometimes you do end up with five minutes and that's what you get. Okay. And, and this one that I just was talking about not wanting to share, that was one of these five yeah. minute things. Okay. So, um, you know, you do your best for that to get that shot, but it's not like anything special. Um, but, but most of the time it's either, um, either telegraphing that you need more time or um, getting there early and setting up different pictures yeah. and having that all ready to go so you can crank them through. Um, or, you know, or sometimes there's just sort of like, oh, just one more, just one more, just one yeah. more. And yeah, you're, and you're, just keep them there as long as until they totally. Until, yeah, up. yeah, it all depends really on the person, so. When when you're going through this experimental phase and 
you want to try out a different equipment, cameras, lights, lenses. Obviously, you know, this stuff's very expensive. So what was your approach to get your hands on some of these different items? So it's kind of funny you should say that because the two, well, the one thing I've been trying out lately cost um, $400. And um, I know that it will sound like a lot to some people, but I, I guess I'll step back a little bit. I, um, around a year and a half ago, I was on Instagram and I saw this photographer whose work that I love that I, I follow, his name is Art Stryber, and he was shooting um, Placido Domingo. And I was looking at the behind the scenes photos and I was like, um, what is this, this umbrella that he has? It's a 10 sided umbrella with a sock over it. And oh. I thought it was like one of the pro photo giants that I saw on their page with like Annie Leibovitz using shooting the CEO mm. of Profoto or something. So right. I, I took me all day. I looked all day at every possible brand trying to find this thing to see what it was because the pictures look great. And finally I ended up Googling something and I ended up finding it. it was, it's called a Fotec soft lighter and a 46 okay. inch one is $84. Oh and a 60 inch one is like $116 or something. And okay. so I, I bought one. I liked how it looked. I have three of them. I, I probably I have two big ones and one little one. Um, I probably, um, since I got it, like I've only used my five foot Octobox, I think three times in a year and a half. And, you know, it's just like, I looked and I saw what, what other people were using, what results they were using. I stepped out there and bought the $84 one or I got it as a Christmas gift, I don't remember which, but, or a birthday okay. gift. And I started, um, and I started using it and I started seeing how I liked it. And then I realized like, oh, if I get the bigger one, then I can use it for this or that, or I can shoot a group with two of them and that sort of thing. Um, wow, okay. The other thing I got was a, um, most recently, and it's what I've been experimenting with lately on these model tests, and it's a, um, it's a Cheetah Stands Rice Bowl 120 with a chopstick accessory adapter. And what okay. it is, it's a 16, and that's the thing that was $400 all total. So the okay. Rice Bowl, which is $200, is a 16-sided softbox that's uh, 120 centimeters at the opening, and it's about 100 centimeters deep. So it's much deeper than like a normal Octobox, which in, in theory, gives deeper shadows, but okay. but still would give you soft light. The chopstick is like a zooming rod that goes inside of it that will allow you to point the flash away from the subject and oh. position it either all the way in, and that gives you a really hard light, or all the way out, which gives you a softer light, but it's still hard, or in the middle sort of in the middle, sort of like a beauty dish. But instead of having a beauty dish that's 20 inches around, it's 120 inches around. So that would let you light with like beauty dish light half a person. And that, that's kind of what I got it for. Um, right. And so I've been experimenting with that. Or the rice bowl has two different baffles of diffusion material. So I've noticed when you use them both, the lights like extremely soft but then the shadows are fairly deep 
So it okay. it gives a lot of dyna dynamic, uh, it gives a dynamic look to it. And then it also, on top of that, comes with a grid. So wow. you get like all this stuff for next to nothing. I'm, I mean, yeah. it's not next to nothing to everybody, but I mean, yeah, it is yeah, like yeah. compared to my five foot Octobox from Photo, which is probably like, I don't know, five or six hundred dollars. It's yeah. like, you know, it's a pretty good deal. So, you know, and so just, uh, for everyone listening in on this, we'll have all of we'll put a link to everything that John was just talking about. It'll be in the show notes. So and so you guys will look that it'll be steady focused dot com slash 19 and and this will you guys can drill in a little bit more on what John's talking about. Go ahead, John, if if I cut you off, please. Oh, no, I'm glad you said that because um, I can talk forever, but not always make sense. But um. <laughs> so so when you're you know, this is where, where you're at now and what you're using. So, you know, over the what are we at? Probably close to 25 years from 14 until 40. And you and you wanted to experiment with different things. What did you do? Um, well, I mean, I've always bought a lot of stuff on eBay, for instance. So yeah. um, like I I rarely I rarely buy stuff new. Um, like the soft lighter and the and and the rice bowl, like I bought that new and I'll buy cameras new and <laughs> here I'm contradicting myself. So, <laughs> so let me step back. Like I just bought a twenty year old Pro Photo Pro Six and and a head for it, which probably could also be like twenty years old. But I bought that on eBay for fourteen hundred bucks. Instead of instead of buying like a Pro Ten and a head that's like new for like twelve thousand dollars. Wow. So it's like little things like that that no, they're not little things, but but that's sort of been my approach. Like, uh, let me find a better way to get this stuff for cheaper. And yes, it really doesn't like it doesn't matter that much the difference. I mean, unless you're doing like water droplets, maybe it would matter. But otherwise, you're just kind of, you know, going forward with stuff. Um, so what's been the biggest struggle, you know, that you've had in your career to get to the point where you're at right now? That's a good question, but I, I think I, I think that's sort of where I was at earlier with like being worried about worried about where losing clients and mm -hmm. and not getting new ones. I, I think that's been the concern I've had. You know, I saw this interview lately with uh, with I think it was with Bruce Springsteen, and he said everybody every creative person has been told that they should stop doing what they're doing and find something else to do. And they've also been told that they're God's gift to whatever. And, and they believe both of those people. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think a good place to be is like not to believe both of them 100%, but maybe to believe both of them a little bit so that you stay yeah. grounded and stay um, very humble. But knowing that like just by um, keeping your head down and doing the work, like you'll get you'll get places. You know, I see a lot of people on Instagram, they'll go out and they'll buy a bunch of fake followers in order to look really important. But I yeah. think people are going to see through that. Like, 
like I know somebody, this photographer who has 75,000 followers and each of his pictures has a hundred likes. Okay. So <laughs> there's something yeah. way off there. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's going to see that and be like, oh my God, like we got to hire this guy, yeah. you know? And there are a lot of people that they like to pretend to be bigger than they are. And mm -hmm. I don't know that that really gets you anywhere. And now when I was 25, I kind of had that mentality a little bit, but at the same time, like I've learned that that's not really where you get ahead. And, and I've, I've ended up going to a lot of uh, marketing, like networking events. And what I hear from yeah. the speakers a lot is that you or your clients, um, the, the speakers were talking uh, to people that work in marketing. So they were talking about like, if you have a client, you should get them to do that or you yourself should do this, um, mm -hmm. is to develop authentic relationships with people. There you and go. I've, and I've always been sort of leery of blurring the lines between business and pleasure. You know, I, I obviously love to talk, but eventually I'll say the wrong thing, especially mm. if I've had three drinks. So <laughs> I've tried not to get, um, I've, I've tried to keep a little bit of distance and I think it's cost me over time. I think I would have gotten more out of my, uh, I think I would have grown more in business had I had I done that. And so that's something that I'm trying to to work on. And because that person, they may be your client now, if they become your friend, they're going to be far more likely to refer you or to be loyal to you, whether they go to a new business or stay at the same one. And, you know, I think that's really how you grow and also having the body of work to to get the jobs in the first place. But if you're, you know, the 75,000 guy with 100 likes, yeah. like that's not going to get you, it's not going to get it, you a lot. It's uh, like, like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, it's go for depth, not width. You know, oh. like the depth of the conversation. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the depth of the relationship, um, going deep with someone and growing with them versus trying to shake as many hands as you can just to, hey, here I am, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know, that's actually a good point. I have a friend who, uh, a client slash friend, right, who, um, mm -hmm. who I met at one of these networking events, and he ended up telling me that he will, um, he'll go to an event and he will find one person out of everybody to actually talk to at length or to have coffee or lunch with. And that this idea, like you just said, like running around and handing out business cards and shaking hands, mm -hmm. like that's not gonna, that doesn't work. Yeah. It just, yeah, you're a blur and, and nothing sticks. Yeah, exactly. What, so uh, kind of along these lines, but what's the one technique or the, you know, the one tool that you see young photographers or even older people who are photographers that they're overlooking or they're missing. They, it, maybe it seems obvious to you, but these people are, it's something you might see continually repeated as a mistake. I think there's a, a lot of people who, um, they find one thing and, 
and they do that one thing and they don't step outside of the box and try something else. Ah. And I do think there's a lot of value in being able to go into a photo shoot and execute that one thing that you do. But if you have five minutes with the CEO and that's what you got and your client knows that that's what they're going to get, like, that's great. But if you've got an hour with somebody and, and what are you going to do? Are you going to shoot the mm. same picture for an hour? And, and so <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. So, so I think like being able to try different sorts of methods will get you to, um, to more of a dynamic body of work. Like um, Art Striver, who I mentioned earlier, he sometimes shoots like Annie Leibovitz on a painted backdrop and he will then with really soft light and then he'll shoot like with really hard light on a set with like, uh, he just did this thing about the Bates Motel he's been posting lately where, oh, wow. you know, it's like the actors are sitting at the end of the bed and it looks very moody, like it's lit with a single light at nighttime, you know, mm -hmm. like totally different than, than this, uh, perfected window light look on a fake, uh, yeah. uh, not a fake set, but a traditional background. And, and there's a place, of course, there's a place for both. I mean, that's why I like his work. And that's why I think in my own work that, that I try to do different things. So, yeah. And it, it definitely grabs my attention and many, many others. And so where do you draw your inspiration from? What gets you up in the morning every week, every year to keep going and keep pushing? I just think that I've always been really focused on improving and, and growing as a photographer. So it's like, I'll find, I'll, I'll see somebody's work and I'll like how it looks and I'll wanna try that. I wanna try doing that sort of thing. It's sort of like, um, it's just like when I tried out using the soft lighter or I tried out using the rice bowl or I tried out doing two light setups on one set. And so for me, it's just discovering new ways to do the same things and then perfecting those things. And I'm sure eventually I'll draw on them uh, all, all at once when I'm doing something. But, um, but I just want to get better. And I don't want to yeah. stop, um, you know, stop growing what what is your uh do you do a lot of mentoring and i ask because you have uh you have a calm way of your approach that seems that uh, uh, someone who's coming up could learn tremendous from you it seems like you you really care and you're interested in explaining it you know so i'm i'm curious if you mentor anyone well, it's funny because when I was uh, that 25-year-old uh, strutting around photographer, um, mm -hmm. I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk and share with people, and yeah. because I thought that if I told somebody something I knew, they would just copy it and take my clients. Uh -huh. But but I've learned as I've gotten older that those relationships I have with people are far more stronger than. That, that somebody just can't, 
we step back a little bit. What yeah, I, that someone can't say, oh, well, here I know how John did it. Let, come work with me and forget John. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. they're yeah. going to be more inclined like, well, we know John. We like John. We don't know you. Exactly. And at the same time, like I could show somebody how to do something. It doesn't mean or tell them how I did something. It doesn't mean they can exactly copy it because they're mm. going to put their own spin on it. Yeah. Or maybe I can explain it to them in a... Uh, sterile kind of way, but are they going to know what to do when you get into an environment with a bunch of white walls or a bunch of black walls? Mm -hmm. Or or how are you going to adapt that technique to, to the situation? And so that's where the experience comes in. So it, it's really, um, so I don't mind now, like if somebody hits me up that says they're like going to college or they just got out of college or they're making a career change and they want to get together for lunch, like, I'll gladly go and have lunch with them, you know, because I didn't learn everything I know because I figured it out on my own. I, I learned it because I had some, some mentors who guided me. I looked at YouTube videos and I looked at behind the scenes pictures on Instagram. Um, I, you know, that's the latest example. But I'm, mm. I've just sort of always been consuming from and, and seeing what other people are doing in order to get to where I am. So it doesn't bother me one bit to, to share what I know with somebody. And John, so if somebody is hearing this and, they're, and maybe their goal is to, you know, they want to shoot NFL photos, maybe their ultimate would be to shoot a Super Bowl like you have. Where, where do those people, uh, what, what do you tell them to take the next step? Like point them in whatever direction. I think it all comes back to practicing and perfecting what you're doing and being able to uh, go out there and do those shoots for free and try stuff and, and develop that, the depth that you need so that when you do end up coming across the person who can, can hire you for that job, you're, you're ready for it. Mm. And, you know, you may not get to you may not get to do that. You may not get to the Super Bowl or you may not get to the Stanley Cup or whatever it happens to be. But, but if you work hard, you'll, you'll get to something along those lines. Yeah. It, we, we take off on a, on a plan, on a direction, and we have our eyes set on some goal that we're shooting towards and it might not land on that thing but we'll, as long as we continue to put in the work and stay dedicated and be consistent and keep showing up, we'll arrive at something that is the Super Bowl for us. You know, if, I'm, if I want to be an NBA player, I might not make it to the NBA, but maybe I'll end up being a coach or, uh, or something else, you know, positively af affecting people's lives, right? Is that kind of where you, what you're saying? Yeah, you know, like at the end of the day, like, as long as we're making it as photographers and earning a living, that's like being an NFL player. Like, right. it doesn't really matter if you've, like, if you're shooting the, uh, if you're working at the Wichita Eagle or, mm -hmm. um, or you're shooting the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. you're still really at an exceptional level or, you know, it, or if you're shooting advertising all the time, as long as you're making a living and, and enjoying life, like that's really, 
all that kind of matters. You know, when I started out, I thought I was always going to work at newspapers. And I, I tried that and decided that that really maybe wasn't going to work for me. And I yeah. thought that by the time I was 30, I would work in the White House. And mm. I was kind of close to that. But yeah. then I kind of realized that that wasn't a very fun job. So whether or not I would have been offered that job or not, I kind of realized like, uh, yeah, that's, you know, it looks glamorous and everything, but at the same time, it's like not, it, it's a lot of waiting. It's a lot yeah. of like uh, elbowing people. So, you know, well, in order to jockey for a position and stuff. How, um, how much do the photos mean to you and your portfolio and just when you look back over uh, the projects that really meant something, how, how much do those photos mean to you that you took of Barack Obama? I think it's cool that I was sort of started taking pictures of him when he was just a state senator running for the U.S. Senate until like the other night when he gave his farewell speech. Um, but I don't think they mean much more to me than, than anything else. Um, one of the things I sort of, um, one of the things that really drew me to shooting portraits of people is that for me, it was far more creative than covering news events mm -hmm. that you were really able to create something. So for me, that's more, those pictures are more valuable to me, but there's not like a picture that I, I can pop into my head and be like, Oh, like this is the greatest thing I ever did. Um, okay. and you know, if the, if you ask me the best picture I took, hopefully I took it in the last year. There you go. Just stay, just staying, um, on the hunger, staying hungry, you know, on the edge and just wanting to continually improve and, and build upon what, what you've built here. Yeah, wow. exactly. And just not stop. John, I could, uh, man, you're, you're just incredible, dude. And I could sit here and talk for you, uh, with you for hours, man. I like, I want to sit down and buy you a beer and a hamburger and, you know, just keep picking your brain. Um, Barbecue or Mexican food always works. <laughs> what, what, what were Mexican food? Barbecue or Mexican food. <laughs> I know you've got there plenty. There we go. Okay. Well, hey, don't be surprised if one day... Hey, John. <laughs> I got some barbecue and some beer. Here we go. <laughs> Sounds and, like a play. Uh, yeah. Uh, John, uh, final thoughts. You know, anything else you'd want to leave to the listeners out there? Um, oh, you know, there are two things. Um, there are two accounts on Instagram that I really like following that I, gives me, helps me find a lot of photographers whose work that I like. And okay. um, one is Famous BTS Mag. Okay. Uh, well, that's the hashtag. But I think you'll find the account if you look for something like that. Or you okay. just look at the hashtag, you'll come across it. The other one is, uh, and, and the good thing is, is mostly what they post are behind the scenes pictures. So you can see what other people are doing and then see the results they're getting from it. Um, very similar account is ISO 1200. And okay. whenever I posted that hashtag, well, like if 
one out of five times. Somebody will ask me like, you shot this at ISO 1200? Okay. But, but yeah. that's, the, that's their hashtag. And, uh, and it's the same sort of thing. You'll, you'll find so many good photographers out there and, and be able to get a peek at what they're doing. And if they want to, if people want to find out more about you, John, how can they find you online? So I have a, um, so John Gress Photography is my Facebook fan page, but really it's kind of boring. Uh, so the main thing would be my Instagram, which is John Gress Media. Mm. And then I'm on Twitter too, but actually I use my Instagram to make the other two work. So, okay. so yeah. it's all pretty redundant. And it's great. I mean, uh, like I said, that's how I found you, and I love seeing your stuff. And guys, I will say that John does reply back, and it's um, it's cool, man. I appreciate your uh, your presence on Instagram and how you carry yourself, and the way you entertain and inspire through your portfolio. It's great. Thank you.